Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Raider Nation Radio here on a Monday it's the morning tailgate. Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, myself, Clay Baker, here with you for the next three hours as we broadcast live from the Raiders HQ, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson, Nevada. And a lot to get into today as we'll report on the updates, what we see available for media, for practice, as well as what we saw from over the weekend. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line because you deserve what's right. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at RNR920 AM. And on the phones at 702-365-9200. That's the Realty One Group listener line here in Las Vegas. Heidi, Vinny, and Clay on a Monday. As before we hit uh, uh, the Raiders and what we saw from over the weekend, let's talk about what happened this morning as uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson, uh, she made her decision on Deshaun Watson's, quote, pattern of behavior. She said it was egregious, but notes that the behavior was nonviolent sexual conduct and that explained her decision to suspend Deshaun Watson six games. The NFL has a couple days to possibly appeal that. But one thing's for sure is that Deshaun Watson, after the adjudication from the independent judge with no affiliation to either side, she made a ruling solely based on the evidence she was presented. And I'm not sure what the league could do about that to fix anything. But uh, one thing's for sure is that Deshaun Watson's likely coming back with 11 games to go to start for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and I can't imagine the NFL. And when I talk about when I say the NFL, I'm talking about Roger Goodell. Um, that he's happy about this, uh, about her decision um, for only six games. And now it's up to him to decide or in the league whether they want to um, fight this and appeal this for more. Now. I would do it, but you're also going to have a fight on your hand from the Players Association. People need to remember that all of this is collectively bargained, including the penalty for this type of behavior. There are guidelines that are um, agreed upon, and you can't just, as the commissioner or the or owners, arbitrarily to decide some sort of penalty. It's, it all goes through the Players Union. That's why players have a union for protection. Sometimes it works. Sometimes, in this case, I think that uh, it's going to impede the NFL and Roger Goodell from hand, and, the, and, and, and the judge from, from handing down a, a, a more severe penalty. If I was the NFL, I would fight it, uh, but there are obstacles to that and repercussions to that, and it would prolong everything, and you're going to have a fight on your hands, and I don't think that the league wants necessarily wants all those headlines. And so, you know, it's disappointing to me. I think he should have gotten a year, at least. At least. I've been trying, as the gentleman here know, to contain myself to properly deliver my words on this matter. But I asked the NFLPA, do you have daughters, wives, mothers, sisters? Do you want them to be treated the way that some of these women had been treated by Deshaun Watson, scarred emotionally for the rest of their lives for nonviolent sexual contact? Is that what you want the message to be to the women that you're trying to encourage to watch this sport? Is that what we find to be acceptable? I had low expectations going in. I had low expectations. And by low expectations, I meant a year. Okay. I thought a year. 
You have DeAndre Hopkins, trace amount of PEDs, six games. Calvin Ridley, bet on the team, bet on the games, $1,500, gone out the year. You have Colin Kaepernick, peaceably protesting the way that he wanted to do, blacklisted. And this is the best you can do for 30 women, 30 that went through this. Now, I know, like Vinny said, there's three days here to appeal. Three days. Make it right. Yeah, you know what? They're in starting now. They're starting to feel, you know, the tension around the league. They're starting to feel that people are not happy about the the independent arbiter here. You know, because uh, prior NFL suspension links have nothing to do with what uh, Sue L. Robinson was going to look at, a former federal judge. So this is the first time we've seen an independent appointed judge process to work on this. And we now know that prior punishments have zero impact on her. That is new precedent. So well, I'm sure how she is took, this starting to take? I'm sure she took a, a look at what the guidelines were for, for this sort of – I think Lindsey Jones, formerly of The Athletic, wrote that from, from based on what she was reading, it looked like there was some um, you know uh, application to what – the guidelines have have, uh, have suggested for this type of um, offense. So uh, we don't know. You know, I, I I know that they can't use there 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 isn't any other comparable uh, case to this necessarily. So um, I'm disappointed. I thought it should have been uh, a year. I think it does send the wrong message, uh, like Heidi said. And if I was the NFL, I would um, I would I would I would I would force the players' union's hand on this one. I'd say I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to appeal this. Are you going to really fight me on this? And if they do, that's a, to me, that's a bad look for the NFL Players Association uh, because, as Heidi said, they have moms, they have sisters, they have wives, they have girlfriends. Uh, and there's, there's nothing about what Deshaun uh, Watson did um, that, it, as a man that respects women, you should be, have, you know, obviously not happy about, but you should have a major problem with it. And if you're going to fight this this suspension as as the players union, uh, it's going to be a bad look. But I don't know if the NFL even wants to go down that road. I would do it, and I would force uh, the union's hand and say, okay, fight me on this. This, to me, has it even, like, my mother was a masseuse for years here on the Strip, you know? And when I think about it, like, what she could have encountered, it makes me so angry. It does just this whole situation. And I know that like we've been talking about here, judge Robinson was jointly appointed by the NFL and NFL PA. Right. They All agreed on this person. Everything that happens right. is, is of owner and union. That's why there's a union in place for protection. And you can't just arbitrarily do things. It all has to go through. That's why you have a collectively bargained uh, agreement. And I know it can be really frustrating, but you have to take a look at that union and how powerful it is and the role that they play in th- these types yeah. of things. And in my opinion, they failed. That's a, it's not it's not it's some kind of confusion or any kind of, oh, this is a first draft. They failed. If this is the end result, it's failed. If they gave her, let's say, like five cases to take a look at it as like a parameter of like this is – this is just a, a, a sum up of, of where we're at with Deshaun Watson and what we have found out. Um, is it was it enough of a burden of proof to find out? Was did they find out all the answers they needed with the five cases? Maybe she was able to look at because considering her level of expertise, uh, you know what? I don't know if they were able to find out uh, what they really needed and like. It was a good idea to find an independent arbiter in this in this case, uh, you know, because they have no stake in the fight. They're going to look at things very, very pragmatically. But was this it? I mean, this couldn't have been 
all that she she was able to go and find because uh, it seems very, very like a, a wrist slap, very paltry in the way of punishment. And it almost says, like, there's no deterrent to this either. If anyone else wanted to go any further, like, what would be the ter- deterrent? The six games is, is nothing in comparison to what the overall could have been. Yeah, I, there, there's not much to say about it, you know, right now because – uh, like you just said, an independent judge that was appointed jointly by the league and uh, and, and the players' association took a took a look at whatever uh, evidence was presented to her. It took a long time. It seemed like it it, it you know uh, it it got to what a week or so into into training camp. Um, so and I know a lot of people are like when's it going to happen? 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 Well, they were going through all of the discovery and looking at things and examining the evidence and and this is what she came up with so i you know again if i'm the league i appeal it and i and i put the ball in the players association's court and said you want to deal with that public relations uh disaster of trying to fight this actually uh and i i you could tell immediately yesterday when the players association preemptively uh put out a statement that we're going to abide by whatever the ruling is they got some sort of um, you know, uh, wind of what was coming, and they were okay with the six games. So they were like, oh, hey, hey, you know, when, when it happens tomorrow, we're going to be good, and we're going to abide by whatever it is that happens. And that, that tells you that they had already kind of pre-heard where this was headed. How do you think uh, the Browns are going to start reacting to this? Because they, they're going to try to keep it, like, you know, kind of low-key of how excited they must be because this guy that they put all that guaranteed money in is, uh, you know, really, they have six games, and they're just hoping they, they could go maybe like three and three and still maybe make a run at, at a division that is, is possibly winnable. But the Browns themselves have to be careful of the fallout of how uh, they're going to approach this because Deshaun Watson is still very much available in camps. Uh, I saw some pictures a few days ago of him, uh, you know, handing out his cleats to, you know, the kids and he's signing every autograph, you know. Um, it makes you it makes me wonder how they'll start approaching this from, uh, from you know, this vantage point until uh, they find out in a couple of days how the NFL will react. Yeah, there's that uh, statement I had seen, and I'm trying to find it again because I've been going through a lot this morning, but that he's already going to be back at camp as of, I believe, tomorrow or their next available camp. Yeah, he'll practice. Yeah, and then it said that uh, you know they were expecting this, the Browns, that this is what they expected yeah. was six six games, so they were preparing for that. <laughs> and, and is it, is it, you know, for their, their first six games of the schedule, it's not like a murderer's row. You know, it's uh, like the Cleveland could come out of this uh, relatively unscathed uh, at the Panthers, home against the Jets, home against the the Steelers, at the Falcons, home against the Chargers, and then home against the Patriots. Those are the six games to begin the year. Yeah, um, you know the Chargers, Patriots. That those are those are tough games. Um, you know, like I said, I'm. It's a it's a, it's a it's a disappointing day. If I'm the Browns, um, I don't say. I mean, you know, you you. you if I'm from the Browns, you have to kind of play it as, all right, we're going to stand by it, but we also stand by whatever the league decides to do uh, as well. Just, you know, don't overly celebrate, obviously, because exactly. that's, a, that's a horrible look. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the coaches are, are happy about this. Their livelihood is tied into wins and things like that. So um, they're going to look at it from that perspective. Um, I just – well. I, I would have never wanted anything to do with Deshaun Watson to begin with, too. So, uh, so um, you know, I'm disappointed in the Cleveland Browns for, for how they handle it initially, just giving not only trading for him and giving up everything that they gave up for somebody that was in that kind of a situation, but then uh, to give him all that guaranteed money, which basically 
protects him from all this. Like he was so overpaid that this, the money that he's going to lose for these six games, because when you are suspended, you're not getting paid. Um, the, the the signing bonus and the guaranteed money on 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 this deal is going to absorb all of that. He doesn't. He's not going to miss one penny, basically. Yeah, uh, I actually I saw something from uh, one tweet here, and I'm not sure if it's accurate, Vinny, that says that he loses 0.14% of his $230 million right. contract. Exactly. So that's like, there you go. It, it says his salary over six games is 30, uh, I'm sorry, 300, a little bit over 300000 okay. I don't think for a second his agents didn't account for whatever suspension was go- was going to come. Uh, in in negotiating that co- that contract, they were going to do something that was so above and beyond that it was going to be able to absorb uh, whatever penalty he suffered for this. All right, and there are people saying like, there's probably no doubt that. Uh, I mean, I don't know the whole thing about what was all just in discovery. What all the people said, but somebody on Twitter, um, Blue Mark verified uh, Michael Lombardi says that he has no reason to doubt Sue Robinson in her assessment. Michael Lombardi situation. is the father of uh, the Raiders offensive coordinator. So that was posted there out on Twitter. But, he, you know, sometimes in heat of the moment things, you do have to think calmly. Yes. And say maybe there was something in there. But the other hand, where there's smoke, there's fire. 30 women, and I say 30 because they, there were 20 that agreed to uh, a payout, I guess, or, you mm-hmm. know, undisclosed terms, settled out, NDAs, things like that. I'm sure that they won't speak on terms of, you know, that were signed in the contracts. Then you have, so that's 20 people, total 24 outside of the Houston Texans organization. So four of those women spoke, and then you have the other six remaining that were with the Texans that I'm pretty sure had to sign NDAs as well and got some sort of payout. Makes you wonder, like, uh, in, the, in the fallout of this, how much of uh, will we hear from the plaintiffs? The four women that probably didn't sign non-disclosure the, agreements The ones at this who didn't point? sign I NDAs, mean... right, as well as, you know, mixed with Deshaun Watson's group because uh, Diane Rossini is tweeting out that, uh, speaking the sources close to Watson, who believed the six-game suspension quote is too much. They stand by his claim that he did nothing wrong. See, Deshaun Watson has got to be also mum about this and not be like, you know, justice has been served. You, you better wait because eventually the people who didn't sign the NDAs, they're going to come out and talk. And you know there's major news agencies, you know, building a tight circle around them, and they're going to come out with something on, you know, for primetime news, Dateline. It's all going to come out. So how that all fix out? The NFL has has got to consider that as well in their decisions for the next 48 hours. Yeah, um, you know, uh, just a disappointing day. I thought it was going to be a year. I was yeah. I would have bet my life that it would have been a year. But again, I I'm not I don't have all the stipulations and all like what what the judge was um, you know uh, confined to be able to do um, and and what she saw too as well and you know. Taking into account what Michael Lombardi said about what did he, he didn't have any reason to, to doubt her or question her. Um, she seems like a very respected judge. I mean, she's she's a renowned uh, judge. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's just these things are disappointing. Totally disappointing. Yeah, it is. And I do hope that in that three-day window that the NFL has to go back and do something or appeal this, that they do look for a year. That would at least, I think, be some sort of punishment Mm -hmm. 
for the six games, it doesn't feel right to me. Uh, Even if the NFL just came out and said that, to me, it's a, it's, it's, it shows that they care. Yeah. Uh, it's Vinny, Heidi, Clay on Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. We're live at the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson, Nevada. DeMond Cotton back in the studio. We'll take a break and come back with uh, – it's Jaguars week. It's Hall of Fame week for the Raiders. We'll continue on our conversation about what we observed and what could be, you know, some of the observations from last week that become stories this week. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Back on Raider Nation Radio, live from the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. And it's Vinny, it's Heidi, it's Clay, the Mont Cotton back at the studio. And, you know, normally the Monday before a game, uh, the week is usually named after its current opponent. You know, it's Jaguars Week, but it's also Jaguars Week, Jaguars Week, and Hall of Fame Week. And for me, it's like, uh, I, I think you still have all the pageantry and all the love for what's going to happen in Canton for the enshrinement for Cliff Branch. But at the same time, uh, I think you're getting some word from when Josh McDaniels has been speaking that, you know, he, he said it was like, well, there's two schools of thought on this. You don't want to show too much. You don't want to give all up. But yet I, I'm getting the, you know, the, the feeling that he still wants guys to go out and play and be aggressive. Uh, we'll get to that. But this, to me, this is the Josh McDaniels game. He played high school football. As the quarterback, there you go for his father's team. Yes, at this high school, <laughs> at this very stadium, McKinley High School in Canton, it was a powerhouse. Ever since he was a little kid, his dad got that job when he was five years old. All he ever wanted to do, all he ever wanted to do, was be the quarterback at McKinley High School, and he did that. Uh, and then some, of course. Uh, he ends up going to John Carroll University with Dave Ziegler. Tom Telesco from the Chargers, um, uh, Brian Polian, the former coach at Nevada, who's now at New England, uh, the Houston Texans uh, uh, general manager was on that football team that they play at John Carroll University, which is not too far from where we're going to be on Thursday. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> think about that for a second. Yeah. He's going back to the Hall of Fame as the coach of the Raiders, mm -hmm. the Hall of Fame game as the coach of the Raiders at his high school field. That is insane to me. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a great, uh, you know, circle moment for him where it's coming full circle. But uh, even for him, you know, it's business. And I think, uh, I think like, you're right. This is also that game where he's going to try to, like, show, you know, what he's able to do now as a head coach. It'll be, like, his first time to, to be the head man since those days in Denver. And I think uh, even though this is just an exhibition, he will, still wants to make sure that everything runs right. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to have this team ready to go to start putting your vision out on the field and seeing it executed. Yeah. All the work that has been culminating here throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, watching these guys go these extra miles. Like, I'm still seeing guys doing laps. I saw Thayer Munford <laughs> on Saturday doing laps. And there's reasons for all of that accountability. I think they're running a tighter ship. There's a lot to do here with the offense and defense as well that we're going to finally get an opportunity to look at in terms of what this new offense, the new defense looks like. That's where I'm excited for. I figure we'll probably get a series. Possibly. Um, and, and I think more, you know, uh, 
definitely will see a little bit of their offense, a uh, very little bit, yeah, <laughs> you know, as, a, as coaches are. A series, maybe. But I think more than yeah. anything, um, it's the process. And every coach that <laughs> Heidi and I ever talked to, um, everything is a stepping stone. Everything is a path. Everything's part of the plan. This included. It's the first preseason game that you know Josh McDaniels is going to preside over as the head coach uh, of the Raiders. It's getting on an airplane. It's going to a hotel. It's getting on buses. It's the communications at the hotel. It's getting to the stadium. It's doing all of these things that you do as a professional football team for the first time this year, A, and the first time under this uh, particular staff. So there's a whole process that they want to kind of get down, you know, Pat. And the game itself, um, you know, I – I don't know. Uh, I would like to see the the, the starters from NBA series, uh, but but you know uh, that's going to go one way uh, or, or the other. But I also believe that Josh McDaniels is going to use this moment, you know, to enjoy it a little bit. And he's taking the team to the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame uh, on Wednesday. They're going to take a tour of the uh, of the Hall of Fame. I know talking to some guys are pretty hyped up about that. Uh, there's not a whole bunch of guys on this team. If, if it's very few, actually, that have actually gone to the Hall of Fame. And you know, this is I brought this up with Josh McDaniels growing up as a football player, and and his whole life was football. To have the pinnacle of your profession. Right there, you know, as you pass it on your way to high school every day, to have the pinnacle right there serving as an inspiration, that's got to be pretty cool. And so for all of these players, some of them are going to end up in, 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 enshrined in that. Devontae Adams has a chance to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's lining up there. Max Crosby, uh, Chandler Jones, mm-hmm. uh, if they continue on their, on their current paths, have a chance uh, to end up uh, in, that, in that building. So what an inspiration to be able to go there and really take some time uh, to, to take a look at it and to absorb it and to take it all in. Yeah, I'm looking to see how much this affects guys like Max, who've been talking about this is my goal as a career to be in the Hall of Fame. When you finally can see something tangible that you could touch, that you could see and looking at the Raiders' pass that are maybe on the wall or their lockers and thinking about what that embodies, what that means to you, hearing both Richard Seymour and the induction, the enshrinement speech that Mark Davis will give for Cliff Branch, just their careers, accomplishments, this entire week, getting able to, getting the opportunity to go and speak with some of these legends that are there that have gone the career path that led them to Canton and just how much that means to them, what they've accomplished. Like when we spoke with Mike Haynes and he's talking about the number that's inside the jacket and how much that meant and the pride that he has when he puts on the gold jacket and what it really means. Like once you can really soak that in, and see what's in front of you and to set the goals for yourself. To me, that's always meant something, whether it was as an athlete or just as a career woman, to always set a goal. And it's just when you can finally see other people doing it or what had happened, the path that they blazed to get there. It really does mean something, I think, for a lot of people, a lot of these players. You typically end up where you're looking, you know, where, yeah. where, where your vision is guided. I, I remember reading a story about um, – how when you're learning how to be like a NASCAR driver or a race car driver, uh, that one of the first things that they teach you when you're in a spin out is to look away from the wall because the wall is dangerous. When it, you hit the wall, that's when problems and occur. Where your eyes go is where that exactly wheel where goes. You're, exactly. So so innately, <laughs> when true. you're looking away from the wall, somehow some way you're going to find your way away from the wall. So w- you end up a lot of times where you're looking, where your focus is, and this is the perfect time of year. For them to go because yes it's an important part of the process it's the first preseason game but for guys like Derek Carr and Max Crosby and some of the established starters it's not like they're really going to be playing much if at all uh, 
Um, so they have a chance to be part of the whole process, getting on the plane, all that kind of stuff that you're that you're trying to nail down right now. But then also you're going to have a little bit of time on Wednesday to really soak this all in and, and where you are and maybe where you want to get to. And uh, knowing that Cliff Branch will finally have his bust in Canton, you know, a long-deserved wait. Uh, but at the same time, you get to see what the embodiment of what a great Raider could be. And if you're a part of this organization for a while, like Derek and Max, I think that that is also part of the end game. When you see the love and adulation that will come from all over the country, Raider Nation gets together in Canton, Ohio. I think that'll also be another moment of like, wow, you know, we saw this on TV last year. Maybe we just kind of visited just to see, you know, Coach Flores go in. But it's going to have a great impact, a real a significant moment for those Raiders who are there this week. And I know that well, they'll be gone by busy. then. They'll I, be gone by then. I know you guys will be busy all week long. Yeah, the, um, the, the players. I, I and I would hope that he that because um, I don't. We'll see if they practice or not on Saturday. Uh, but if they don't, I, I'm wondering if they could have like a little you know watch party or something along those lines. To, 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 for your point, to really be able to see that you know and to see what the culmination uh, could be for your career. And I know this is a team game, obviously, it, but those guys that Cliff Branch doesn't get to the Hall of Fame uh, without also team success. Like he directly impacted uh, some great Raider teams and some Super Bowl championships. Uh, so to be able to see that and, and envision that as a, as a team, I think it would be kind of cool uh, to be able to set aside some time on Saturday to really watch that. I, I agree. And I, I remember uh, we'll take a break on this. Tom Flores, after seeing his bust, you know, in the Hall of Fame, in the in the racks, in the annals, it was like he said the moment of when they turn off the lights at night, I think they all talk to themselves. Uh, oh. the, the words are whispered through their lips. And uh, I cannot wait to see Cliff's visage on his bust as well. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the observations from last week that could turn out to be Bigger stories this week as the Raiders approach the exhibition on Thursday here on the Morning Tailgate. It's Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio. It's Heidi, Vinny, and Clay. Damon Cotton back at the studio. We'll have uh, time for some phone calls at 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Yes, Doug Lobo uh, tweeting me saying that was John Madden who said they whisper at night, they talk at night. <laughs> I, you know, I think I was more impressed of uh, how great Tom Flores' uh, uh, bust looked. I mean, it looked awesome. I love the Hall of Fame busts that are there uh, for the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton. They're so different than the plaques that they use for the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown and, and for baseball, uh, you, you, the, the likeness just is never quite the same when you when you do that uh, mezzotint or whatever they right, do on, on, yeah. the, on the plaques. <laughs> when they when the bus in the Hall of Fame, they actually look like the embodiment of spirit of the person's face when they were in their prime. I love how they do that, I, and it's like I don't know what price value they have on their bus. There's those busts, but I mean they, they're worth every penny. They're almost priceless. I would love to see something like that. You know, when we go to Super Bowls or when we go to the Combine, they always have a go-to and check-it-out kind of booth like where you can look and see how they make footballs. You can see how <laughs> yes. they make the turf. You can yeah. see how jerseys are sewn together. Please make one where we can watch an actual busts well, get put together. Speaking of which, uh, I think we could all agree that Bill Belichick's going to the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. When when he gets to that point, is he going to just give up control on the bust? Or you know, he's such a meticulous, <laughs> detail oriented coach. Is the he going to want a part a, of that process? Yeah, the only team still without an OC and a DC. Well, not no, only that, no, yeah. and is he? I don't think he's even in Madden. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I, I think I think in the That's past, a great point. yeah, he's always said no. I don't want to be a part of it because so, when you look at 
<laughs> at least what I remember, because I play my son on it, that you, you, you could tell that you know, Sean, McVay is, Sean McVay is Sean McVay, <laughs> and that guy is that guy. But yeah. then it's just some generic coach for the Patriots, at least the last time I saw it. There's so a I don't few know. times where the likeness hasn't been given out for certain people, and you have this random, like, <laughs> made-up, what do you call it, like the blue guy, the blue shirt guy in the Ryan Reynolds movies, right. those guys. Well, and here's the thing. Long after you're gone – and people come through Canton, Ohio, to look at the Hall of Fame. That's what the memory is going to be of people is that is that bus. And you kind of want it to be somewhat accurate, right? Some of the yeah. ones in baseball have been like, like whoa, yeah, like that's not that? Hank Aaron. Yeah, I know that's not Greg Maddox. And <laughs> right. if I was Greg Maddox, I would have filed for defamation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering, you know, if you're if you're Bill Belichick, do you do you? I want control of this process. I want to get the archit. What, what do you call it? The um, what is it? What are the? Yeah, you want the sculptor. The sculptor. I want the sculptor. I'm going to pick that. my own sculptor. I thought you were going for a lightsaber there with your actions. So it's like lightsaber. <laughs> I, I want the woman in the uh, the Lionel Richie video. Um, hello, because remember she yes. made, she made the, 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 the sculptor of Lionel's face by just touching it. <laughs> it's been a while since we spoke about Lionel Richie. <laughs> you know, you brought up your mom, and that's where it goes. Let's take a couple calls before we get into this. Uh, people have been chiming in, and uh, we definitely want to do it. 702-365-9200, the Realty One Group listener line. Let's go out to the windswept mountain layers of the Colorado Rockies with Papa Meach. Good morning, Papa. Hey, guys. It's been a while. How you all been doing? Hey, good. Great. Good Very good. Very good. Going for you? Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, two points. Uh, first point was on the ruling. Um, I'm shocked. Uh, I thought it was going to be a year or two. Uh, you know, we have a phrase. Commitment to excellence. And to me, commitment to excellence is just not about your commitment to excellence in playing football. It's commitment to excellence in all phases of your life, morally, spiritually, ethically. You know, how do you um, treat others, strangers, friends, family, um, your morals? That, to me, is, is what commitment to excellence means. And I'm just grateful that we have an organization and an owner, hopefully, that would never have been interested in uh, drafting this player uh, no matter what the money. And um, I do believe that people are, you know, innocent until proven guilty and have gone through the legal processes. But it's going to be interesting to see how the fans react to this guy. Is he booed for the rest of the season? Is he booed for the next few years? Is everybody say, hey, it's no big deal. He he got his ruling and just move on. Um, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how um, the, the football society reacts to him, but it's no it's no um, surprise to me. Uh, we we have so much stuff going on politically uh, in our in our society. We just sure. you know let go and say that's you know if you have money and power, you get to do what you want. So I'm not totally shocked. The second point I like to say a quick uh, mention about is that um, I forgot who it was but on Twitter posted um, our new play by play guy. Um, uh, a football game that he announced, a college football game. And uh, I'm just going to have to wait and see, man. And I'm going to give this guy uh, the best, uh, you know, will I be listening to him at the end of the season as I always listen to our broadcasters? I hope so, and I think I will. Mark's no dummy, but, um, you know, all of our previous broadcasters, Bill King, uh, Greg Papa, um, all of them uh, were excellent broadcasters as far as describing plays. They had excitement in their voices. Yes. And they really were fair at how they called the game. If the other, other opponents made great plays, they said it. But you could still tell they were rooting for the Raiders. They were Raider fans. And uh, so I'm going to give this guy a chance. But, you know, yeah. just listening to him announcing that game for a while, I, it, it was, you know, 
it, it was not kind of what I was expecting, but I'm going to give him every benefit of the doubt. So that's what I got, guys. All and right. uh, I, I just love the three of you guys listening to you every morning. And I want to thank you for a great show always. Well, Papa, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Papa you put a smile on our face, Papa. That's nice. You know, when he talks about what the reaction to Deshaun Watson is going to be, I think he's going to get booed everywhere he goes. Yeah. Uh, just look at the Houston Astros. Uh, it's been how many years since the uh, <laughs> since that incident? Right. And nobody really cares about baseball. Since they but they cheated don't like to the win the cheaters. World Series. Right, right. <laughs> every time they come to Dodger Stadium, it's yep. a boo fest. Every time they go to New York, which is, they beat the Yankees on their way to that World Series. It's booed. a boo fest. In the All-Star game, booed. I mean, I mean, it, this is, and Dusty Baker got booed at Dodger Stadium, and he wasn't even the manager of the Houston uh, Astros that year. He's a beloved so Los beloved. Angeles Dodger. Yeah. But because he's wearing the Houston <laughs> uniform, he's getting booed. So, uh, yeah, people are, are going to are upset about this, all right? And they were upset about what the what the uh, Astros did to have a World Series that they believe was cheated to get. Um, this is he's gonna he's gonna face repercussions everywhere he goes. Yeah, that it- was 2017. So I uh, wanted uh, the Astros, but yeah, I think when I hear it put in this perspective, yet again, I've seen another respected individual here from the NFL who Jim Trotter uh, put out that if the league doesn't appeal, I never want to hear about the talk of importance of mental health because there's no way to watch the Ashley Solis interview on Real Sports and argue that, that she did not suffer psychological trauma from her experience with Watson. Well, he, he said something right there. And at the same time, Deshaun has never really shown any act of contrition you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's always, always said he's innocent. Innocent, and he's looked right into the camera saying he's innocent. <laughs> There's going to be a point where, uh, yeah, uh, after all these years, no one is ever going to let you forget what went down. Again, if I'm the NFL, I appeal it, put it in DeMar, yes. DeMar Smith's uh, uh, court and say, fight this. Mm-hmm. You're going to really fight this right here? Um, knowing what the court of DeMar opinion. Smith? DeMar Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah because uh, it's, all, players it's all on yeah. them now. It would be. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I again – I was really suspicious yesterday when they put that statement out. We're going to oblige by, we're going to abide by whatever the the ruling is. Um, And my first thought was, it's less than I thought it was going to be because if the Players Association is already Mm -hmm. preemptively saying we're we're in full support of whatever the decision is, they probably got wind that it was less than a lot of people thought it was going to be. So if I'm the if I'm the uh, NFL, I'm fighting this. I'm putting it in the players' union's court to say, fight us or. Not, and hopefully they don't, but I, they absolutely will. We'll have to wait and see, I guess, what comes in the next 72 hours, which is, and ticking, there's a clock on that already, so it's a little probably closer to, at this point, 60-ish hours. Yep. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to set a timer right now. I'm going to put it on there, figure out exactly when we have to look for that deadline and hope that by then, maybe it's today, Maybe they're hearing some of this. I'm sure they are. I'm sure the NFL has people out there. NFL Network is here today at Raiders headquarters. They're out there. So you know, there's there's eyes and ears everywhere that can bring in what the people are feeling, the sentiment, and then maybe some of that gets back to the NFL, and they're just like, yeah, we got to do something here. We got to step up. Yeah, if I'm the NFL, I say I, I say I say a full season. That's that, yeah. that's what I would say. If they fight it and it gets down to eight games or ten games, so be it. Um, that's that's sometimes how that how that goes. Uh, but the other part of it too, in addition to the union, if you're Roger Goodell, you also have 32 owners who you basically work for. So yeah. their input is going to be um, uh, you know heard a, a, as well. It'll be interesting to see 
how most owners uh, feel about this. We'll, uh, we'll step aside here and take some more calls on the other side. I know Raider Mike from Fort Myers is on hold, and we'll take some more calls, 702-365-9200. It's Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang. I'm Clay Baker, Damon Cottonbag in the studio. Back after this on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. A lot of observations from last week here at the Raiders facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. And it is a packed house today. Lots of media members, as Heidi brought up. NFL Network is here. And we'll give you all the information that we can. And we'll update you on what we see today by the end of the show, as well as what we saw last week and how that could turn into a bigger story this week, especially on the depth of the Raiders' defense. We'll talk about that and more coming up. Uh, we've got a couple more callers, and then we'll hit this. Uh, 702-365-9200. Raider Mike in Fort Myers. By golly, good to hear from you. How are you, Mike? What's up, Clay? Hello. Hey, Heidi. Hey, Mike. What's up, Paizan? Paizan, how are you? <laughs> I'm good to go, as always. I'm on a beach on the Gulf of Mexico, man. Love Gorgeous. it. And Freddie Belitnikov put out an open letter about Cliff getting into the Hall of Fame. It ripped my heart out. I cried. He said basically Cliff would wear his gold jacket everywhere he went. He actually got it when he was alive. Oh, man. It just... It pains me. They waited for the snake to die. They waited for Cliff to die. Cliff changed this game. Mm. You put Bullet Bob Hayes in immediately, look Hello. at the stats. They're not even close. Lynn Swan, same thing. I, I can't and I don't understand you. All you old school freaks or whatever's going on there need to leave. Because there's a lot more Raiders that are deserving. Poof. Filipiano put out an open letter saying, what's up? Me, Todd Christensen, Greg Townsend had 30 more sacks at Howie. I mean, they were what Max and Chandler are going to be back in the 80s. Right. And it's just, we just, <laughs> we get so frustrated. We want to bang our head. And I'm going to continue spouting on ESPN here in Florida, on your station, on Rip City Radio, until it gets done. Because open the floodgates. Let the guys who really deserve to be in get in. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's beyond ridiculous, Canton. I don't know why you have all these Hall of Fames anyway. I mean, because you, you screw them up. You can screw up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You put people in there that have never done a rock and roll note in their life. So it's just, all I'm looking at is Johnny Madden, Cliff Branch, Kenny Stabler, and Al sitting around at a beer hall in heaven and just saying, finally, finally, my boy Cliff was electrifying. His smile was electrifying. He was nothing but class. And you wait till the man is dead to put him in when you deserve to be first ballot. It makes me want to puke. But guess what? Raider Nation's heart is swelling. He's finally in, as it should have been 28 years ago, whatever it was. Anyway, I hope the poor boys up north and heaven hear this rebel yell. 
Love the show. Well done, Mike. Thank you very much. And uh, you can read that letter that Fred Bolitnikoff wrote, uh, uh, Legend to a, a Friend, a uh, Letter to a Legend. Fred Bolitnikoff, it's up at Raiders.com. In fact, Raiders.com is doing extraordinary stuff all week long uh, for the enshrinement as well as the Hall of Fame game, just as VegasNation.com is doing some great stuff. I know you both have been very busy all week and, <laughs> and lining up all the stuff, that, <laughs> the responsibilities. They're large. It's a large list. Let's get one more call before we have to take a break for the top of the hour. Out to Michigan with Dylan. Dylan, good morning to you. Thank you for calling. Uh, good morning. Clay, Heidi, Vinny. Hey, Hello. good morning. Good morning. Uh, so recently I've been seeing um, like reports coming out saying that the third wide receiver uh, battle is kind of narrowed down to, I mean, they're not saying anything indefinitely, but it looks like maybe Matt Collins versus uh, Tyron Johnson. And I wanted to kind of relate that to what um, Carson Palmer was saying about how if Derek plays the same way that he did the first few games of last season, that yeah, those last four uh, the games, Raiders yeah, will win the Super Bowl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I've heard a lot of people saying the last four games, but I'm pretty sure he said the first four games when he had Rugs, right? Yes, that's what he meant. The, the first four games yeah. of last year, when when the whole team was intact and they were putting up numbers that uh, you hadn't seen, uh, you know, with the Raiders in a long, long time. Exactly. And see, the thing is, um, I like Matt Collins and he's a good player, but I don't think the difference between him and Tyron is enough to start Matt Collins because Tyron just like brings that speed element. And if you have two route runners in Devontae and Renfro, you pair that with Tyron, it's kind of just like a pick your own poison situation. And then on top of that, Tyron just has that like Raiders vibe. He's like, you got the swag, just, I don't know. I feel like Carr plays his best when he has high confidence, and the best confidence I've seen from Carr is when he has someone that can stretch the field and then someone he can rely on underneath. And I know Matt Collins is a good player, but I feel like if you start him, you're not really giving the balance that Carr's going to want his receiving core, so... That's all I have to say. I kind of want to know your guys' opinion. Yeah, and for for those of us who are actually out there uh, at practice, I wouldn't say that it's come down to Tyron Johnson Mm -hmm. uh, and Matt Collins at all. I don't know, you know, uh, where you've seen that. Uh, There's a lot of reports out there um, based on people that are just basically sitting at home and and kind of relying on on some of the information that that people that are actually there are putting out or or, or videos or making assumptions. But here's what I'll say about the, uh, the, the, the third wide receiver position. Right now, uh, it's kind of a committee. Um, you, you see Mac Collins, you've seen Tyron Johnson, you've seen, don't forget about Demarcus Robinson and don't forget about Keelan Cole. I think mm-hmm. what, what they're doing at that, at that wide receiver position is using it almost situationally. And by, uh, by that I mean, you know, what do you need? What's, what, do you need somebody to go along? Tyron Johnson's your guy. Uh, do you need, also, uh, uh, Keelan Cole, uh, has, has shown that he can stretch the field as well. You need a possession receiver, you're in the red zone. Uh, that's where Mac Hollins uh, comes into play. Demarcus Robinson, uh, as he talked to us the other day, he's cor- sort of that Swiss uh, Army knife yep. type of guy. He could do a lot of a lot of different things. So uh, I wouldn't even worry about who the quote unquote starter is. I don't even think that that's uh, relevant. Uh, to be honest with you, the starters are going to be 
Devontae Adams and, and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller is going to be out on the field, and you're going to see uh, a bunch of different guys at that third wide receiver position. You're going to see uh, Foster Moreau as that second tight end. Um, and there's some other tight ends, I think, that have, that have really shown out so far in training camp. So, again, who wins that third wide receiver position? I don't think that it's going to be anybody, quote-unquote, that's designated. I think it's going to be uh, a hodgepodge of guys, depending on what the situation is. So I was asked, what players are standing out to you? This Somebody on Twitter had written that to me earlier this week. And I said, you know what? Give me a minute. I got to really assess. I got to watch practice. I got to see what's going on. Yes, Tyron Johnson does stand out. His speed is yeah. something definitely yep. that's noticeable on the field. I also wrote down four numbers total. 58, we know who that is, Darian Butler. Number one, that's Tyron Johnson. 88, that's Jacob Hollister. A tight I end like Jacob that you Hollister, mentioned the tight end. I'm liking what I see. KG, KG, KG. <laughs> yeah, and then number 40, Isaiah Palomon. I've been right. enjoying watching him with some of these pass breakups, man. He's, he's really clean with his uh, technique that I've seen so far. So I, I'd like to watch the, these guys get in there and compete. Um, when you talk about the wide receivers and the variety, 100%, I agree that Matt Collins has been standing out. But again, I don't I don't think, like you said, Vinny, that it's going to be down to just him as a, as a three or that he's leading the charge or anything. I think, if anything, that I've seen out of the wide receiver room, these guys are one – all getting kind of physical at times when they need to be to shake off the coverage. I'm like watching some of the little moves that Demarcus Robinson has made where he's like cutting and, and then going another direction with his feet and deceiving the, the coverage with his eyes. Like some of that stuff that I'm seeing and there's a lot of competition at that position. So I agree with Vinny in the fact that there's going to be a lot of different types of battles going on there when it comes down to the final roster. So many different packages so far uh, Mm -hmm. in how their personnel grouping uh, looks. And yes, the young safety from uh, USC. Mm -hmm. Um, And USC has a tendency to recruit really good players. I've been suspicious recently of the coaching. So you might be getting a diamond in the rough, somebody that wasn't coached up well at USC. uh, That staff is no longer there. And maybe somebody with some NFL coaching, you're going to bring it out of him because he's big. He's fast. He obviously has good technique on the uh, on those pass breakups. So somebody to keep an eye on. It's Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here on Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. Demon Cotton back in the studio. We'll take a break and come back with more on this about the Raiders' options for the number three wide receiver, as well as how some of the attrition already in defense for the Raiders and who is stepping up for guys who are down and not yet to come off the pup list. All that and more here on Raider Nation Radio. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Vegas. 